recording this at 8 p.m. on April the 13th. So by the time you hear this, Taylor Hall will have released his tell-all book, Three Months in Buffalo. Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, a hockey show that was also looking for some veteran help at the trade deadline. I'm Darren Plett, the Flames fan, and with me is Stuart Jones, the Oilers fan. Hello, Stu. Hello, Darren. So we're we're just a uh, one day after the trade deadline here as we're recording, and mere minutes after the Flames actually won an overtime game after Toronto. So a lot has been happening for us lately. Yeah, a lot has happened, uh, except for the fact that we did not get any veteran help uh, from the trade deadline for the show, anyways. Yeah, the, Although, the prices were a bit high for us, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, although that is one of the nicer things you've ever implied about me, that I'm not old. So that's, <laughs> I, I kind of took that as a compliment. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to do our, our checkup on our predictions. Now, they're a little bit messed up, I would say, thanks to the entire Vancouver hockey team coming down with COVID, essentially. So the schedule is in a bit of flux, but... What do our predictions look like thus far, Stu? Yeah, and I guess now that you mention that, we should probably correct uh, something from the last episode where we were trying our best to determine our scorecard for the, our predictions in March. And we kept thinking, well, hang on, did we just count the number of Oilers games wrong? Like, are we that dumb that we can't even count the number <laughs> of games? What chance do we have getting the number of wins right? I'm sure most people who are listening to this figured it out like as soon as we said it, but the two of us just could not figure it out right there and then. Uh, but the issue, of course, was not our counting, believe it or not, but because two of the Oilers games uh, against Montreal were canceled in March due to COVID. And as you've said now, April is already up in flux because of Vancouver's many uh, issues. So special thanks to the listener that sent me a text with that correction after hearing the episode. Um, but we're not going to fall for this again. Uh, that being said, we are getting some mixed messages about what games have been canceled, what have been rescheduled to where, which ones were always where they were. The Internet is full of lies if you haven't figured this out. But uh, we're going to do what we do best on this show, and that is uh, make crap up as we go along. So anyways... So far in April, we are um, a few games in, about uh, five games in for both teams. Uh, so about a third the way through the scheduled number of games. Who knows what that means in the end? Uh, both you and I thought the Oilers were going to win eight out of 13. And right now they've got a three one and one record. So, you know, the pro they probably have to pick that up a little bit. But again, who knows what games are going to be left? I don't even know. And then we also thought uh, I had the Flames winning six out of their 14 and you had them winning seven out of their 14. Uh, and they are 2-3-0, and oh, including tonight's overtime win against the Leafs. So they are just shy of 500. So about where we're kind of expecting them to be. Now, as for the Battle of Alberta games, we had a couple scheduled in April. Uh, one on April 2nd, which I thought the Flames would win. You thought the Oilers would win. And the Oilers won it 3-2. to two. Who knew that you knew? I guess you knew. <laughs> I've got my finger on the pulse, too. Yeah, well, so <laughs> finger this pulse, <laughs> phrasing. <laughs> 
we uh, had a bonus Battle of Alberta game on April 10th. This one was not part of the original April schedule. We believe it came somewhere out of the netherworlds of the month of May. I'm still not entirely sure. <laughs> but it we had a summoned. bonus one. It was summoned yeah. by Gary Bettman. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know if it's more Battle of Alberta or just earlier than expected. But hey, we got a Battle of Alberta game in the middle of April that we didn't expect. Uh, then that's as far as the good news goes for Oilers fans because the result was 5 nothing for the Flames. So luckily, we did not predict that one at all, even happening, because uh, I don't know about you, but I did not see that result coming. What did yeah, you think of I, it? It would have been very impressive if one of us could have predicted an extra <laughs> Battle of Alberta being added <laughs> to the schedule. But I mean, I don't think either of us can claim that. So to me, it doesn't count because I'm pretty sure I went for both Oilers losses. So that absolutely doesn't count. All but right, it does yeah. in the standings, but not to us. <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. Yeah, no, I definitely did not expect either of us to predict an extra Battle of Alberta game, but I also don't think either of us would have predicted a Flames 5 nothing blowout either. So, No, that definitely wasn't on the radar. But uh, yeah, so that's where we're at so far. We do have one more scheduled Battle of Alberta at the end of the month on the 29th. Uh, right now, both of us have the Oilers winning that game. Who knows if that's still happening or if hockey will still exist in the postmodern era by then. I don't know. <laughs> let's move hockey on, will shall still we? Exist. Wow. <laughs> yes, let's move on. Uh, I, I know that the trade deadline just happened. I do know that. That is something I'm aware of. So <laughs> naturally, the main topic I think we'll be focusing on is kind of what our teams did or didn't do because as far as I know the Oilers weren't too active and the Flames were a little bit but it was more in the in the selling uh, area than in the buying but mm -hmm. Stu what do you have on the trade deadline and what the Oilers have been up to in that regard yeah, so the Oilers on the trade deadline, Holland did not do much. And honestly, I think that's okay. Um, yeah, we don't have a perfect roster by any stretch of the imagination. And it's always nice when Santa GM gives you some presents to unwrap. <laughs> but honestly, like we're right up against the cap. And like any Canadian team, if we traded for someone from the US, we'd have to deal with quarantining and all that. So it's not exactly the easiest year to be making a lot of moves. Um, and also, uh, Holland was quoted as saying, I don't think you can be all in every year. I think you pick and choose. And sure, a lot of Oilers fans are thinking, well, you know, how long do we have McDavid and Dreisaitl? <laughs> how many times can you pick and choose? You got to remember, this is only Ken Holland's second season. Uh, none of which have been like full seasons. So he's really still getting started with this this group. And yeah, we don't have those guys forever, but we also can't, yeah, bet everything on this one year. Uh, like realistically, the Oilers are not winning the cup this year. And frankly, I think it'd be delusional to think any amount of trades uh, would have changed that. But we have a good team that should be able to not only get into the playoffs this year, hey, that's a pretty big plus for the Oilers fans. But, you know, we probably might be able to win a round. Yeah, well, I don't know about two, but we might be able to win a round. And I think if the team can prove that to Holland, he'll reward them by continually building on them slowly because 
until we're at least a consistently in the playoff team, it's pretty hard for Holland to go all in every year on trade deadline just because we look good in the regular season. Uh, you know, we haven't we've been in the playoffs once in the past. I don't know, my lifetime almost, not quite, but uh, it's been a long time since we've had a couple of years in a row in the playoffs, that's for sure. So until we sort of build up some consistency there, we can't go all in. Now, does that mean he's going to do nothing? Absolutely not. He's still going to continuously build slowly but surely on this core group. And I think this is what we signed up for when we replaced Chiarelli with him. And I, for one, am much happier with this scenario <laughs> than sort of the reactionary gut moves that um, Chiarelli would take. So, yeah, I'm okay with this philosophy. That being said, we did do something. We didn't do nothing, uh, but we didn't do much. They traded a, a fourth-round pick in 2022 for uh, Dmitry Kulikov. Uh, and that pick becomes a third round if they win a playoff round this year. So Kulikov is a solid defensive D-man. He's not huge on points, but he's basically taking Slater Cuckoo's place in the rotation while Cuckoo's injured. Um, but since he's potentially returning in early May and can play on both sides of the line, Kulikov, in my mind, is more than just sort of uh, filling injury holes, but he's actually a bit of an addition to the defensive depth for the playoffs. So I do think there was some build there. Um, again, it's not at all huge. It's not star names or anything like that, but we we are slowly building this team one brick at a time. It's not pretty. It's not glamorous, but I think these are good moves by Holland. And uh, yeah, we'll see where that goes. It seems like a very standard move that happens, too, because as a Flames fan, that when the Flames were, you know, hoping to make the playoffs, that's what they would do is trade picks for Depth Demon, which always seems like a smart move. I mean, yeah, unflashy, be, but it could work, right? Yeah, if you're going to be in the playoffs, you want as many defensemen as possible in case of injury or whatever, because uh, playoffs are really hard on defensemen. It's, they get mm -hmm. beat up quite a bit. Um, d do you think, like, I know you said that you can't go all in. Do you think that if it was a non-COVID, non-flat cap type of year, do you think the Oilers would have done more at this trade deadline? Yeah, I do. Um, and there's there's a few different reasons, two of which I basically already mentioned were like of teams that are up against the cap, we're one of them like really strapped for cap space right now. So in, in order to bring in somebody that's worth anything, we'd have to get rid of something that's worth anything. And that's not how you improve your team. That's just how you equal it out. Right. So that's one of the reasons that that made a difference this year. Again, the quarantining makes a bit of a difference, although, yeah, whoever we get would be ready prior to the playoffs, but I would think that most teams would want them you know warmed up and with the group for a bit before that you know um and lastly i do think uh realistically holland is looking at the chances of us getting out of canada uh this <laughs> this year in the playoffs you know i, I said i i think we can we're probably going to make it into the playoffs. There's very little chance of that going sour, but you know, you never know. Knock on wood. Uh, I, I do think we have a decent chance of winning a round in the playoffs, but realistically Toronto, again, it, 
it hurts me to say this, is a very good team this year. And it's going to be, they're the team to beat to get out of um, this division. And uh, any other year, you know, we would have the rest of the Eastern Conference to try and smash them down before we'd have to even worry about them in the finals potentially, right? But but this year, they are the team to beat in order to get out of Canada and into the Final Four, as it were. And uh, and I think Holland is is realistic about what he's seeing. Yeah, that that seems smart to me. Like he obviously he's handcuffed by covid and flat cap and edmonton's cap scenario but he still did well to bring in somebody so that's mm-hmm. you know to be expected i would say and also to be expected was the flames trade deadline where they're probably not gonna make the playoffs if we're being <laughs> honest as of today they had a four percent chance so bet on that at your own peril but that means that Brad for living also took the realistic approach of we're probably not making the playoffs and decided to move a couple of players that weren't in the long term plans for the Flames for various reasons. So the first one he moved was David Riddick, everyone's lovable goaltender with a outsized personality. So he got sent to Toronto of all places for a third round pick. And uh, it was kind of funny because he got traded to the to the Leafs yesterday and due to COVID he had to hitch a ride with the Flames today to Toronto to play them which the game just happened right before the podcast and Riddick was the starting goalie for Toronto and the Flames beat him in overtime so it was kind of a fun game to watch because all game long Riddick was kind of purposely bumping into Flames players and they're firing pucks he was firing pucks at them on the bench and doing all sorts of stuff because I mean it's, it wasn't even 24 hours ago that he was friends with all these guys and on their team. Now he's mortal enemies with them. No, he's still, <laughs> I'm sure he's still friends with them. So it's probably kind of weird, but also a fun game to watch in that regard. Um, sucks to see him go because his story is pretty cool. Like he was an undrafted free agent that the Flames signed from the Czech League. Uh, the Flames scouts that found him actually were there to watch a different player and were like, hey, this this goalie's pretty good. So they brought him in. He played for the minor team and he made it to the NHL, which is totally wild for an undrafted mm-hmm. guy out of a league like a Czech league, which I know absolutely none of us or anybody listening to this program has ever watched or thought about a Czech league game. So the fact that David Riddick came from there to to play for the Flames and he was a, a good goalie for the Flames. It, it sucks to see him go, but he was a free agent at the end of the year. Chances are that offers would have been coming in from quite a few places and he likely would have been priced out from the flames you know hard to say but i think it's a wise move for him to be traded and to get a third round pick for him the bigger deal at least for flames fans was sam bennett getting traded uh he has been a bit of a lightning rod in calgary which is because he was a fourth round or a fourth overall pick in 2014 which, you know, kind of paints a target on your back. You, If you're in the top 10 of the draft, you're really expected to be good. And if you're not, that's a big disappointment. But Sam Bennett kind of disappointed people in Calgary. Um, if you're not aware, he was expected to be a very good player. He was, you know, ranked in the top three of that draft. And it's because he had 91 points in 57 games in junior. This wasn't like a blown pick or the Flames were like, 
oh, you know, reaching too high to get this guy. He was he was one of the best players in the draft. And I think for a combination of reasons, he never lived up to that. He sure started off really well in the NHL. He had 18 goals in his rookie year. He came in in the playoffs against Vancouver and and as an 18-year-old, as everybody probably remembers, 18-year-old Sam Bennett, everyone got sick of that. But <laughs> he was really good, and then he just declined every year, it seemed like, in points and production, and he never quite figured it out after his rookie year. You know, the two camps in Calgary are that it was on Bennett, he's not a smart enough player or a skilled enough player, all these things, and the other camp says that the Flames didn't do him justice and didn't develop him properly and didn't give him very good line mates. And it's probably a combination of those two things. You know, he came as a, came in as an 18 year old straight from junior that works for some players. And I don't think it does for others. So it's an interesting career arc to start out on such a high note and then to just kind of decline from there. But Sam Bennett's career in Calgary is now over like it or not. But he did return a second-round pick and a prospect named Emil Heineman, who was a second-round pick of the Florida Panthers last year, who apparently the Flames were really excited about. And the Florida Panthers picked him shortly before the Flames, and the Flames owner, or the Flames management was quite disappointed with that. But uh, they got him now, traded him for Sam Bennett, and... Uh, you know, I'm kind of sad because Sam Bennett was fun, not just because he had a great mustache, <laughs> but because he was the kind of player that I think lots of teams need in the sense that he hit a lot and he could, you know, stand up for teammates and kind of grind. And I think the problem was that he never really accepted that that's what his role was or one of the problems. If you get picked fourth overall, you probably think, yeah, I got picked because I score a lot of points. But I think it's okay to accept that the NHL is a totally different beast and you might be someone different. And I don't know that Sam Bennett ever did. So I'm kind of sad that he has to leave because he's fun to cheer for. But, you know, I'll be keeping an eye on him in Florida because I think that, you know, if he ever does figure that out, he's still pretty young. He's 24. So if he ever does decide that, you know, he wants to be a grinder and to lean into his role as a, a grumpy guy and to, you know, stack up hits and, and dirty goals. And I think he'll be a good player. So Sam Bennett's out. David Riddick is out. Got some picks for it. Overall, you know, I'm happy with that. As happy as you can be with having to send players out because you're not going to make the playoffs. But I think it's a, a tidy bit of work from Brad Treliving. Those are going to be some some good assets to have around. And it is kind of funny to imagine that Sam Bennett returned almost the same amount as Taylor Hall did. Stu, did you, <laughs> do, what did you think of the Taylor Hall trade? What did you like when that popped up, the Taylor Hall was essentially traded for a second round pick. What did you think of that? Um, yeah, well, all I like, honestly, uh, all I can say is like, I really hope this works out for him. <laughs> I know a lot of people in Edmonton that have had um, sort of near personal experience with him when he was here. Don't think he's the best person in the world, but also, <laughs> you know, he was an 18 year old all star getting millions of dollars. So I'm not surprised that went to his head a little bit. And 
I definitely think that was a lot of what caused issues for him here. But honestly, as someone who hasn't dealt with him on a one-on-one basis, you know, I was always a fan of his. Uh, seeing him do well in New Jersey for one year was nice. Seeing him do not so well <laughs> for the remainder of his years and then in Arizona and now in Buffalo, it's it's just gotten worse and worse for him. And I really hope this works out for him. It's it, It's really not a huge surprise that his... I guess what he got or what Buffalo got for him wasn't that great because he has not proved himself at all this year. Uh, He is on a one year deal, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a, it's a rental deal and he's, he's really going to have to uh, prove that he's worth more than uh, what he's shown in Buffalo. He's uh, already got an assist uh, today, I believe. Uh, it wasn't a pretty one. <laughs> it kind of bounced <laughs> off him. Actually, he kind of got the puck like poked away from him, but it went to uh, a teammate and they scored. But it counts as an assist, so he's already got half the points he had in Buffalo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the old the old giveaway that turns into a point. <laughs> yeah, but I honestly, yeah, no, not a huge surprise that that payoff was so low because. It's, he's just done so badly this year. He's really going to have to prove he's worth anything. Uh, but I, I hope it goes well for him. Yeah, and I think I think Boston got away with a steal, and we've voiced our opinions on Boston in this podcast. But <laughs> you can't really deny that they basically just slid in and got someone who was the MVP just a few years ago for essentially a second-round pick. That is a nice bit of work. Buffalo kept half of his salary because if you paid any attention to this trade trade deadline, you would have seen that there was a lot of funky money stuff going around because of the salary cap not going up. There were some interestingly structured deals, but Boston really got away with one there. And I I think that that's going to be very good for them because if you plug in a player that we know can be good, into a team like Boston, which has had sustained success and has a lot of people above Taylor Hall that can take the offensive weight off of him. Like he won't be the one expected to do all the work. Mm -hmm. So I assume that'll probably work out well for him much better than it did in Buffalo where literally everything was going wrong. I, Mm -hmm. I don't blame him for not succeeding in that scenario. That was just like the entire organization was essentially on fire. So lucky for him, he got out of there. So all in all, uh, I think a surprisingly interesting trade deadline considering flat cap, COVID, et cetera, et cetera. So I I had a good time paying attention to the deals that were going down. We didn't we obviously didn't discuss all of them. I believe there were twenty-nine deals done yesterday. So all in all, I was pretty happy with watching the trade deadline and seeing just how much activity and how creative general managers can <laughs> actually get when the going gets tough. Right now, it's time for sellies and scorns. Stu, pick one. What are we going with? All right. Uh, I'm going to start with my scorn, actually. And my scorn is, in general, for basically all the other fan bases, 
pretty much around the country. I don't think I can say around the league because I don't think anyone else cared about this. Uh, but any other fa- fan bases around Canada, except for the Oilers, and don't worry, the Oilers fans deserve plenty of score lots of times too, but not in this case. Where are we going with this? <laughs> <laughs> so the Oilers finally finished their stint against the Ottawa Senators and wrapped it up with a 9-0 and record. And, of course, the immediate response from all other fan bases. And you know what? I'll lump some Oilers fans in there. (laughs) There were definitely some Oilers fans in there because the response was, big whoop, you beat a really bad team every time. (laughs) Who freaking cares, right? But I got to give Dave Dave Tippett credit for his absolute perfect response to that sentiment. Quote, if it was so easy, why didn't everybody do it? End quote. like yeah yeah the senators are a bad team but nobody else beat them that many times uh no offense to current company but calgary and montreal are actually have a losing record against the senators currently it's not offensive it just hurts (laughs) all right no pain intended then Uh, (laughs) and you know both uh winnipeg and toronto they do have a winning record but a couple of losses against them uh so yeah, it's yeah, it's big whoop. Well, nobody else could do it. Clearly can't be that easy. Sure, maybe it's a small victory, but I'm an Oilers fan, so I'll take every victory that I can get. You know, I do feel put in my place a little bit because I was definitely in the camp of, wow, 9-0 against Ottawa, but you're not doing so hot against other teams, are you? But yeah, you're right. Reality check, Ottawa's <laughs> won games, and none of them have come against Edmonton. So yeah. You're right. Begrudgingly, you're right. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll, I'll just leave it there because I don't think I, I really have a comeback for that. <laughs> um, my scorn is for Lou Lamorello, who is the general manager of the Newark Islanders currently. This always bugged me. So you see, he traded for a couple players from New Jersey, uh, Travis Zajac and Kyle Palmieri. And the first picture you see of Kyle Palmieri in an Islanders uniform, he has had to shave off his beautiful large beard in order to play for Lou Lamorello. Mm -hmm. That is the weirdest rule that a human being can have. I don't understand it. Why does the general manager decide that all of the grown adult men that work for him have to shave their facial hair in order to play that? Wait, where did that come from? I didn't like I didn't look deep into it, but it's 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 a rule that follows around Lou Lamorello. Like if you play on his team, you have to shave your facial hair. And it's super weird. Like the New York Yankees have that, too. Like uh, what is that, Stu? I, I don't understand why that has to be a rule for some people. I, as someone with a beard and someone who looks terrible without one, I totally understand where you're coming from. I don't get it at all. Like, it's one thing to say, and it's said many times about Lamorello. You know, he's an old school guy. He's got all these old school standards. But at the same time, I don't recall that being a thing in the past either. (laughs) It's just one of those weird things that some people have a real big problem with and yeah, I guess when yeah. he's the boss, he can maybe he can't grow one himself. He's just jealous. Oh. I don't know. That's 
That's true. Yeah, he would look interesting. He would look like an evil Santa Claus with a beard. So maybe that's <laughs> it. Maybe he gets really upset when he sees all these guys with great beards. He's like, shave it off or you can't play for me. Sonny is how I imagine he sounds probably. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. So I'm just going to jump right into my celly right away because it's going to be pretty short. Uh, tonight against Toronto, Milan Lucic played in his 1,000th career game, which is very cool. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you know, a, a decent number of players get 1,000 games, not a ton. It's, it's you know, pretty good company if you made it to 1,000 games. But I think the special thing about Lucic is the style of game that he plays and getting to a thousand games like he's a bruiser he is in lots of fights in order for someone like that to stick in the league for a thousand games you have to play through a lot of pain be a very tough person and also contribute in other ways than just being tough so apparently he's an incredible teammate a lot of flames players look up to him as like a a big brother someone that they can basically confide in apparently lucic is just a real like genuine sensitive guy who's a great person and i think that you know even even though he's a big scary dude who will punch anyone's face in i think most of the of the league can probably set that aside you know the time that he beat up their favorite player and uh congratulate him on a thousand games because that's pretty cool yeah totally agree uh even though yeah a lot of oilers fans may not be uh thrilled about his tenure <laughs> here uh you know i i did like him um and I, I do still, and I think that's a great achievement. Uh, we don't talk a lot about number of games played. That's, you know, as the fans, we talk about points and stuff like that. But I, I'm sure you've heard this elsewhere, but the players always talk about how much number of games is such a big deal to them, more so than the stats, it seems. So uh, for him to get a 1,000 games, that's, that's impressive, and uh, congrats to him for sure. And for my Sally, I've actually exited the world of hockey. <gasps> and one could almost say, one could argue that I'm almost exiting the world of sports for this Sally. Oh though one could argue that I'm still in the world of sports. And you'll see why in a moment. So despite trade deadline, the most exciting thing to happen in sports over the weekend was an 18-year-old kid bowling a 7-10 split on television. <laughs> oh my god, I actually saw that. <laughs> yeah, and the reason I bring this up is, okay, first off, great job, kid. A young kid uh, did an amazing thing, super rare. Apparently, he's only like the fourth ever bowler to do so on TV. Hasn't happened over 30 years. Awesome. Good job. But my real celly is for the commentators on how amazing this commentating was. <laughs> it is better than soccer. If you have not seen this video, go look it up. Uh, if you Google the uh, Ginger Assassin, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that was his name. <laughs> yeah, the Ginger Assassin or 710 Split. If you just Google that, uh, you will be feasted with amazing sports commentary. And uh, it was it was just so entertaining to watch. And again, obviously just good on him for making such an amazing shot, I guess. I don't know much about bowling, but it looked hard. Yeah, for those who aren't aware, that's when it, it, like the pins are on opposite sides. It's like the two standalone pins on either side of the mm-hmm. alley or whatever. Uh, I didn't know that because... I bowl maybe once a year, but uh, 
Yeah, I saw that video too. <laughs> I had that same thought as you. I was like, these announcers are amazing. Like for a sport like bowling, they are all in. And I wish I could get that excited about literally anything because it was it was so fun to watch. So I I absolutely agree. That was amazing. All right, everyone, we did it. We did a shorter episode for you this time. We reined in our, our time minute munching habits and we delivered a, a, a more bite-sized episode for you to get into. So thank you so much for listening to it. Uh, please make sure to rate it, like it, or subscribe to us to get those. V- uh, I almost said views, but it's <laughs> listens. I watch too much YouTube. People listen to us. They don't watch us. So thanks for listening, everyone, and goodbye. Goodbye.